How many have enjoyed uh, Brian leading us in worship? Yeah. Thank you so much. It's been great to uh, work with uh, the team here, the staff, and and all you. It's been just, uh, again, I want to just reemphasize, I guess, how proud I am of you that you have responded to God's Word, that you've uh, taken it from just a little 20-minute setting here, and you've talked about it, you've shared about it, you've You've lived life together with your group, and that's been amazing to see that happen. And like Brian's prayer, I hope that you take it, the light of the gospel, back to wherever you live. So hopefully God's spoken to your heart this weekend. Hopefully we know that God's light shines in our life, right? So we've been learning. And so today we want to talk about... uh, that. How do you shine your light in the world? What, what is your assignment? Like, he's, he's fixed us, he's healed us, he sees that we're broken, we know he's the path to our peace, right? We know that his light in our life can empower us to find healing and hope and live a life not like this world, but, but like he would guide us. And so what is your role? What is he requiring of you? What is he asking you to do on his behalf? So to, this morning we want to end with this thought, that God is our light that empowers us to shine in the world. The fullness of Christ in us is seen by what shines out of us. We are called to share the good news of the gospel, and the good news is in your story. So tell your story. I tell stories. That's what I like doing. I I struggled some of my early years with how do I share the gospel? How do I witness to people? What does that look like? And I made it it too difficult, too too rigid. And and really what I found is that uh, the gospel is in my story, The, the salvation hope of Christ the good news is I just tell my story. And then when I hear your story, I tell your story. So you can tell my story and your story. We all have a story. If we've come to Christ, we have a story that we were without hope. And Christ came into our heart, and we now have hope, and we live for him. Tell that story. And so today we're going to give you some kind of some leading on what does that look like. So Matthew five fourteen. this is really interesting. It says, you are the light of the world. Now think about that. that what is he saying here? I mean, I know what it says, but what does he mean? You are the light of a world. And he's like, I'm going to give you a couple of examples of what I'm trying to say when he says this. Here, example number one. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Oh, I, I, I understand that. You're driving through the valley, and there's a hill, and there's a city up there. You, you can't not see that. And then he says, let me give you a second example. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. I, I have a vigil. I see that. We light the lamp, put it in the house. I understand what you're trying to say. And he says, in that same way, like those two examples are, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Now, a little bit of a dilemma. John 8 said, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And then here in Matthew, he's saying, you are the light of the world. Well, which one is it? Is he the light of the world, or, or, or are we the light of the world? I mean, is Jesus saying it? You are the light of the world. And when, he, when the word you here, what he means is, as my followers, you, you are the only light in this world now. I chose you. You, the light of Christ in the world, it's just you. You're my one choice. There's not a secondary light of the world. You are it. It's present tense. Right now, you in your home, in your neighborhood, in your friend group, on your campus, you are the light of the world. 
He calls us the light. What is that light? In, in the Greek meaning of that word light, it really means a photo. It's like you are a photo taken of, of me. A clear picture of who I am in this dark world. So you are like the photographic reflection of Jesus to those in your life. The light of the world. You are the light of the world. Are you a clear picture of Jesus to those around you? That's the big question. There's two truths about the light of Jesus in our life. One is that it reveals truth. Second, it exposes darkness. Now, when it exposes darkness, that don't mean you're going out condemning people because of their sin. It mean, we've learned this already, right? The light exposes darkness in a positive that it would draw people to the light. Not condemn the darkness in them, but remove them from the darkness and go to the light. So if you're living out, if you are the light of the world, you are revealing truth to the people around you. And you, your life, the style of life you live, the life in Jesus, it, living next to people, it's exposing the darkness within them. Does your life do this? Again, he said, I am the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Here's what I see what he's saying. Like the, think about the sun. Big red thing in the sky, big fireball, right? That's what the sun is. It shines light in our world. It, all it does is just pour light out upon the world we live in. Now, the moon, you, you've heard the term moonlight, like a, during a full moon. You know the moon doesn't have its own light, right? It's, it's just a reflection of the sun. So when we say we're arriving in the moonlight, oh, there's a full moon, a lot of light tonight. The moon doesn't kick off any light. It only reflects the sun bouncing off of it to the earth. So when we say there's moonlight, it's just the reflection of the sun's light bouncing off the moon. Now, when is the only time the moon does not send out light? Anybody know? Anybody? Just shout it out. During the eclipse. During an eclipse, so here's the sun, here's the moon, and the sunlight bounces off the moon onto the earth. Now, when the earth moves in between, when it gets in the way of the sun and the moon, it's an eclipse. There's no light. That's the only time we have no light coming from the moon during an eclipse. So the, the question is, are you experiencing a spiritual eclipse in your life? Jesus the sun is bouncing off of us, and we are now the light of the world. Now, if the world, when this world, when it gets in the way of us and Jesus, that's a spiritual eclipse. You're no longer shining light to the world around you. Think about your life. Is this what you would say about your life in Jesus? What is that light that I shine? How am I the light of the world? Well, it's some simple stuff. It's, it's the things uh, that you do, the things you say, the things you look at, the things you listen to, the places you go, your attitude, your character. Those are the, in a good way, if they're God's ways, those are a reflection of God to the world around you. And in my life it's happened, maybe yours, there have been times in my life when I get kind of caught up in the grant world, Maybe not a horrifying sin, but, but you know, life kind of is all about grant, and that is the world getting in the way, and I, I have experienced spiritual eclipse in my life, where people around my life would say, oh, you're a Christian? <laughs> I had no idea. That's not what we're looking for. That's not the light of the world. That's an eclipse, spiritually. And so God is challenging us, don't be that. I, I want to be the sh light shining in your life, because I am the light of the world, and I'm a reflecting into your life, from your life. Now you are my chosen light for this world. Are you revealing the truth and exposing the darkness in the world you live in? Let's just decide right now that we're going to move the way of this world out 
from being in between us and Christ and letting Jesus shine fully in our life so we can reflect him to those around me. He says here, the city set on a hill cannot be hidden. That means it can't be kept a secret. This is Christ in your life. It's not something you hide. It's not to be kept a secret, his light in your life. People don't put a lamp on a stand and put it under a, a basket or a, you know, like, it, what's the purpose? There's no purpose to light a lamp or a candle and cover it up. The only reason you would light a candle is for the light it shines out. And that's the example he's saying, this is why you're the light of the world. He says, in the same way, let your light so shine before others that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. Why do they need to see our good works? Because they can't see our faith. James says, have faith, and faith without works is dead. Actually, what he means is, if you have faith in Christ, if Christ is shining in your life, the natural byproduct will be the works that you do for Christ. I mean, you won't be able to, it's not like you've got to think about it. In fact, the opposite is true. If you're not showing the works of Christ in your life, if you're not the example of Christ to the world, it's questionable about the faith you have in God. And so faith in Christ, Christ shining in my life, the light of the world in me, produces the works of Christ in the world around me. That's what he's really saying. Are you called by God to be the light? You are. Jesus called. Are you called by Jesus to be his light to a dark, sinful world? Not when you grow up, but right now. Sometimes we think, well, I'm just a teenager, so when I get to be an adult, then I'll be this uh, light of the world. But you are called right now by Jesus to be the light of the world. Now, there's two things kind of give you some guidance on what does this look like? How do I be the light of Christ to the world around me? The first one is this. Remove yourself from the center. Remove yourself from the center of your world. Now, we enter with Jesus I'm in the center. That day, 19 years old in the hospital, man, life's all about Grant. I am in the center of my world, and I need saving. It was about me. But life in Christ goes beyond that. Once we get that, and once we receive Christ, we should immediately become on mission, shining the light out for Christ. Like when the Titanic went down. You seen the story? You saw the movie? Here's what was crazy about the movie, or, or the, really the, the real story about the Titanic. When the Titanic sunk, People were drowning and dying. They had these little life boats collecting people. So people are, they're out in the water dying to be saved. They're, they're drowning. They're, they need to be saved. And what was ironic was that when the lifeboats would come and pick somebody up, as soon as they got in the boat, as soon as they got saved, they immediately turned around and began saving people. Is that crazy? I mean, they were like, now that I'm safe, I can't settle here. Now I'm going to be one reaching other people. How, how crazy would it have been if, if somebody got in the boat and said, okay, now I'm safe, let's go, let's just head to shore, forget these people. Very self, that was really self in the center. But they were very selfless. When they got saved, they would reach out. And this is the call to Christ on our life. We give our life to Christ, he changes our life, he heals our life, and we immediately become people helping others to come to know Christ. But in America, we, we are so used to getting stuff and earning stuff, and having stuff. Sometimes Jesus becomes just this resource to better our lives, to be more blessed in ourselves. That's not the call of Christ. That's not being on mission. That's not being the light of the world. Now, let me give you a little clarity about last night. Because last night we talked about, you may, if you make choices, your choices will create your future. And that's the future you want to have. I want to make it clear, I wasn't trying to say, if you just make a bunch of good choices, you'll just get this cush life, coast through it, 
no problems at all. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying if you make right choices, the ones in Christ, those choices will create your future in Christ. That will be a blessed life, a life of peace, a life of joy. It's not saying that you won't be without conflict, okay? It's not saying there won't be any trials or, or, or adversity in your life. It just means the life you choose, if it's choices in Christ, you're really saying, I want your will for my life, not my will for my life. You're moving yourself out of the center. And that will be a great life, even if it has conflict. On that one, let's look at what Jesus said. He said, lose your life and you'll find it. Wow, that, that's not the life I want to choose and create. Well, it is if your choices are in Christ and you're doing right choices. Yeah, that's what that'll look like. He said to them in Luke 9, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross. What's the cross? The cross is where he died so others could live. And daily follow me. If you want to be a follower of Christ, if you want to be a disciple of Christ, remove yourself from the sinner. He says, deny yourself, take up your cross, and daily follow me. So when I make choices in my life to create my future, the future I want is the one God has assigned to me. It might have some great blessings. It might have some serious conflict. But it's still the future I want because it's God's will for my life. I was in Indiana youth pastor, had some conflict, had a little bit of a bipolar crazy pastor that went kind of off the deep end, and I was, God kind of called me into like getting involved with it, go talk to him, then talk to the board, then talk to the state overseer, then they had this big meeting, I'm just doing, I'm making right choices in my life, I'm choosing my future, which God has laid out for me, and I thought we're going to have this big meeting with the board and the state overseer. We're going to, it's going to all be resolved. They're going to say this guy needs some real help. He's, 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 he's out of his mind. And, they're going to, and I'll become the new senior pastor. And, and, then, and then we had this meeting. And, and what came out of it was, Grant's a little bit off track. We're going to fire him, threaten to take his minister's license, and he's got to move back to California. Sounds like a great life. <laughs> that was my future. But that was God's plan for my And I left that place with joy and peace in my heart, because I created that future by choosing God's will for my life. Looking back, it all worked out. Sent me back to California. I wound up in Huntington Beach for 16 years, got to surf most days. A couple years into it, every board member from that church had backslid and started calling me up saying, would you forgive me? We, we did wrong. You're right. That guy's crazy. I said, brothers, I forgave you before I left town. Go make your church right. And over a series of events, they had, him, they had to remove this guy from his place of pastorship, and he has some real issues, and they went back and restored their church. That was a painful journey for my life, but it was my future that I created because I chose right, and it had hardship and conflict. I didn't regret that because it was the future I created that Christ assigned to me, and he gave me peace and joy and fulfillment in the process of it. So just to make clear, make the choices you make for your future. It's God's future that you're looking for. Second thing is this, win them to yourself, and you'll win them to your God. Now, I don't recommend the bullhorn bag of pamphlets on the street corner yelling at people, although I've done that in my early years. That, that's not how you win people to Christ. You see, you don't take a non-relational approach to lead people to a relationship with Christ. I found out that the best way that I would do it was I would, I would get full of Christ, get, get fully empowered by the Holy Spirit and God in your life living 
saturated in Jesus, and then just win people to you, the person. Make friendships, uh, break down the barrier, build trust and influence, and then they'll come looking for the Jesus in you. I've seen this a hundred times. See, Jesus met people where they thought their need was. Think about it. He's there that day, going to feed 5,000 people, probably 10,000. Now, their greatest need that day was for salvation. But they thought their greatest need was, we're hungry. And he met them where they thought their need was. He fed the people. They looked for Jesus, the man who could help them. And then, because he did and he won them over to them, they started looking for Jesus, the God, the Savior of their life. People that he met sometimes, they were broken. They needed healing. Their greatest need is salvation. Not healing, but he met them where they thought their need was, and he would heal them, and they would come following him looking for the Savior. This is, this is the greatest way to influence and lead people to Christ. When I was in Huntington Beach, uh, I thought, well, I'm living here now. I've got to become a local. So I'm going to take up surfing, figure this thing out, so I can kind of hang out among the people. So I went down to Bolsa Chica State Beach, uh, Lifeguard Tower 17, where these old crusty farts, oh, you know, retired military guys, just rough cut. I mean, not, they're not Christians. And I would surf down here the next tower over because you, you can't just move into somebody's, you know, there's territorial stuff in the surfing world. And so, you know, you've got to be invited in. So I started surfing down here by myself. And then after about two months, a guy comes down, hey, man, come on down and join us. I see you down here every day. So I, I entered this group. I became the beach pastor. They called me their beach pastor. They found out what I did, who I was. Like, I, I led some to Christ. I, I had two weddings on the beach, married some of them. They were just living in sin with their girlfriends. They were old guys, you know. In fact, one guy tells me, Grant, uh, you know, he's like 65, has his girlfriend. She's 65. They've been living together for 10 years. He says, uh, Grant, you, you think you can marry me? I said, Jimmy, I'm already married. I said, no, 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 no. He said, I mean, would you marry me and, and Lisa? Because, you know, we, living in sin is not, uh, we've learned by being around you that we've got to make this right. So, now, these guys never one time came to my church, never crossed the door of my church. See, I went to where they were. I was the outsider. I, I was the outsider in their group. I, I became one of them and then built influence, and they followed from their group the, the Lord I served. I won them to myself, and then I won them to my God. It's a long pro- Discipleship's a long process. Give God a chance to work. And they call me the beach pastor. I had a guy I worked with in Huntington Beach. I worked for the city for a while because uh, the church was a, a startup church, and I had to have a Bible case, so I had to have a job, and then I pastored, and I worked for the city uh, prepping softball fields in Huntington Beach. There's about 300 softball teams in Huntington Beach, and they had about 25 different fields around the city in different sports complexes, and we would go out early in the morning, drag the field, chalk the thing, turn the water on. So my first day on this job, I met my buddy Ben. Everybody needs a Ben in their life. I'm there, and the, guy, the boss comes out and says, there's a, there's a crew of guys, and we're going to break up in twos and go out with the truck and the, tr- the little, you know, little tractor that drugged the field. And this is Grant, a new employee, <laughs> starts today. He's a <clears throat> local pastor in town, so we're gonna, he's going to work part-time with us. And as he says what I am, a guy in the back is like, praise you, Jesus. <laughs> just like that. I'm like, what? Just start, and from the very second he knew what I was, started mocking me. You know what that guy's name was? That's Ben. I'm thinking, oh, God, what's, the, what's, what's going on here? Surely there's enough guys where I don't got to wind up. And sure enough, they assigned us in twos, and me and Ben became a team. Um, that, for a year, that guy's whole purpose 
was to break me down, offend me, talk trash on Christianity and guys and pastors and Jesus. I mean, I would never respond. I would never fight back. I never defended anything. I just lived with him peaceably. After a while, he's like, man, it's, it's just boring trying to get under this guy's skin. Might, might as well talk about something we like in common. Pretty, you know, we're, kind of, we're talking about sports, and I'm a Raider fan, and he's a Rams fan, and, and we're talking about history in college, and he was a prof- almost a professional football player. So he got just tired of trying to beat me down and thought, man, I'm going to be this guy. And we, and we kind of became friends, became friendlier than every day trying to beat me down. And one day we go into the local Starbucks about 5 in the morning to get our morning coffee, and there's a new employee there. And he says, hey, how's it going? You're new here. We come by here every morning to get coffee where we go on our little route. And he said, my name's Ben. This is my pasture, Grant. He said pasture, like where the cows graze. He didn't, you know, it's pasture, but pasture is what he said it, the way he said it. And I'm like, my name's pasture? What the? What's going on here? And over time, we began to build a relationship. And he would bring up, I mean, I, I know you're like, the whole God thing. It's not like I, I don't remember. I mean, he led himself into believing in, you know, I was just there. I was just oozing Jesus into his life. And because I wouldn't fight back, I wouldn't. And I stayed with him. And I embraced his crazy friendship because it was discipleship. He, I started discipling Ben the first day. He just didn't know it. Right? And so one day, he breaks down and starts telling me, look. Here's why I'm so frustrated with this whole Christian thing. But man, you're, something about you is different. I, I mean, you're like a, the real deal. He said, you know, when I was in junior high, I went to a church camp just like this. He said, I didn't know anything. My friends invited me. I'd never been to church, knew nothing about the gospel. I went, and I heard the message of Christ, and I gave my life to Jesus. I said, you did? And I came back and I thought, man, I'm going to, this is amazing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dive into this and, be, and become like Jesus. And so the next Sunday, I'd never been to this church, but that's where the kids came from. And so I got on my bike and he drove to the church and he had on his, you know, flip flops and his board shorts and his tank top. And he went to go walk in like, I'm going to experience the greatest thing in my life. And somebody stopped him at the, at the steps and said, hold on, son. You can't come in here wearing that. He said, I turned around and I left and I said, I'll never be a part of this. Now here he was, 55 years old, experiencing the good news of the gospel. The, the, all through Jesus, that I was the light of his world. But it was really just Jesus. No praise to me, just reflecting off of me into his life. You've got to have a bend in your world. Let me tell you, he might wear you out at first. <laughs> just keep, if that's who God assigned you to, your neighbor, guy next to you in class, that crazy friend, just let God do a work. Win them to yourself, and he, you will win them to God. See, that's the Great Commission. Ever heard that? The Great Commission? We've, I've heard all the time in, in class. What does it mean? The Great Commission. Jesus said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. It's not the great suggestion. It, it is our assignment by Christ. If you are in me, if my light is shining to you, now you are the light of the world. You are my one and only light to this world. This is what your assignment is. It's not like, well, when I think about it, or if I don't, no. Your faith produces the works of God in the people around your life. You must realize you are the light of the world. God has assigned you this to unbelievers. Are you here today, and you would say, 
I want to be more of a light for Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you say, I want to remove the spiritual eclipse from my life, remove that sinful, worldly way from my life, and be the light of the world to those around me. Who wants that? Who wants that life? God has called you right now today. You are the light. You are the photo, the reflection of Christ to everybody that crosses your... There is no happenstance relationship with somebody in Christ. When I go to the store, there's not going to be, oh, I just happened to stumble across so-and-so. Never. God has assigned... He, see, the choices I make, he's creating my future, and everybody I cross paths with, I'm like, what's the, what's the deal, God? Just a smile to brighten their day or build a relationship to lead them to Christ. Everything that happens in your life, if you are in Christ, you are not the center of your world. Christ is the center of your world. And he will bring people in your life to, to win over to yourself because you're full of Christ, because it will build trust and influence. And then I was the outsider in the group, and then I influenced the group and led them to Christ. That's what he's calling you to do. You are the light of the world. Can you be the light of the world? You can. But it's not within your own power. Don't get it wrong. It is just that you are allowing the sun to reflect into your life and shine out to the world around you. Let's pray. God, you are the light that empowers us to shine in this world. We thank you for these students, God, the work you've done this weekend in their lives. So many things we've gone over. You, you are the light when we're overtaken by darkness and fear, and you remove that. God, you are, you are the light in our life when we choose darkness and we live in sin. God, and you shine in our life not to condemn us, but to draw us out of the darkness and give us life and hope. God, you're the light when we don't know what we, we don't even know. And then you shine to us and you show us the things we didn't know about us and the bondage and the brokenness and the strongholds in our life. And then you're the light to show us what to do with that, how to buy, do the steps of recovering and, and healing process from those things that hold us down, to make us fully like you. Our brokenness put aside and your character put into us. And God, you're the one that gives us light to choose our future, and that future is what you choose for us. That's the future we want, your will for our life, even though it might bring conflict into our life. And God, you're the light that shines in our life to empower us to be the light to this world. Would you touch these students, God? Would you bless them this morning as they go down from this mountain? Let them shine into the world around them. In Jesus' name, amen.